Is the mic on? Episode 49, What's Wrong with Orny Adams? Let's talk radio days. Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police with Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog breaking the trail in the relentless you know pursuit of lawbreakers. Yeah, it's, in uh, the wild days no, I don't. You know, you should. <laughs> It's Yukon King. I played Yukon King. You're, you're a radio guy. I'm going to bring this down. Uh, my guest today is Frazier Smith. Now, when you go to your Wikipedia page. Was that the Rick D show? What was that? I don't know what that. I'll tell you in a second. Oh. I was home. Yeah. First, let me introduce you. Frazier Smith. Hi, guys. Notable radio personality here in Los Angeles. Well, thank you, Warney. You know, I wish Camera 3 was working because it's, it's I'm on. not getting a close-up. Camera, th- Camera 3 is fine. Let oh. me ask you a question because... You were uh, KLOS. What else? Uh, K Rock. What other Ks? Uh, K- uh, <laughs> everyone with a K, I got fired from. Uh, KMET, yep. the legendary KMET, uh, KLSX, mm-hmm. and K Earth. You know what's interesting? And Kmart. And Kmart. <laughs> I I I looked at your bio. The first thing it says on Wikipedia is Fraser Smith, also known as Fraser Smith. And I'm like, this is a joke. Well, no, but I, I have a stunt double. There's there's a misspelling in your name, and even I misspelled it. Yeah, even na- my name is misspelled on on uh, the internet. Yeah, I mean, you know, on my own page. Well, how do you spell your first name? Just no I, F R A Z E R. No, is that no short for something like Fonzie? No. Well, it could be. I feel like Fonzie a lot of times. Uh, no, that's my uh, great grandfather's name, Fraser. Yeah. And, but why do I think it's F-R-A-Z-I-E-R? Because everyone does. So all the club schedules have it spelled that oh, way. Everyone spells it wrong. I'm now putting an I in there. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, your dead grandfather's thrilled about that. He's not excited about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, we'll get into this in a second. Okay. But I, I just want to ask you, off the top of the show, because you're, you're crossing your arms like you're uncomfortable. Because I am very uncomfortable. No, no, this no, isn't like we don't go. This isn't that kind of podcast. No. Um, now, having done 49 of these, I realize all these years when I was making radio appearances to promote my shows, I was doing it all wrong. Uh, I want to know, as a radio guy, as a DJ, as one of the top DJs, like that's the rub on you. Well, that's the other thing it says on my bio. Yeah. Yeah. What makes a great guest? Well, I always think it's someone who who goes off book a little bit because it, it tends to be kind of canned, as you know. You know, you go in, you, you have to do morning radio when you're on the road to promote the show. And you come in and the DJs have these questions, you know, uh, on a piece of paper. And uh, they ask you these kind of standardized questions. And it gets, you know, kind of uh, samey. Mm-hmm. Oh, same old, same old. Right. But... If you uh, if you let them get off book and you and you uh, talk about things that maybe they didn't expect you to talk about, uh, things you've seen in their town or whatever, or uh, you know uh, crazy something crazy that happened to you on the way there or something, it just adds a little flavor as opposed to that kind of standardized, you know. But that's what interview. I would do, and I feel like I was disrespectful to all these hosts all these years. Like I would come in. And I would treat it like I was Robin Williams on The Tonight Show. And I would just be all over the place and have fun. And they'd ask me a boring question. And I'd say, that's a boring question. Well, I think that's exactly that. what you should should have done. I know you did the right thing. Because I think that's what the audience wants to hear. They want If they're going to go watch somebody that night, they want someone that's going to be wacky and fun and 
and uh, different. Right, but I'm there. I'm there to sell my show. They're there to do their professional show, which they've scripted out. Like, if they're anything like me, if you look at me, I have pages and pages of notes for your appearance today. That's so amazing because I've done absolutely nothing. But uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, I think really everything's a show. You know that it's like when you go in for a job interview; it's a show. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an audition, it's a show. You're trying to put on something that will entertain people, right? And uh, so even if those hosts were thrown a little bit by that, later I think they probably appreciated it because it was something different. Right. Something fresh. Yeah. You know. That's what I That's what I felt like. I felt like I, I just want to sort of break the barriers. But at the same time, I was never really, in my mind, respectful for the amount of work that they had put into well, the Well, that's probably okay. Because a lot of times, you know how it is with notes. Notes don't always really, you know, take in the direction you really ultimately want to go. Yeah. Ultimately, you want to have some fun. Because that's what people uh, tune into morning radio for, and that's what people go to stand-up for. Yeah. Do you know uh, Man Cow in Chicago? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, so Man Cow calls me and says, now that you've been doing this podcast, not so easy, is it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's different on the other end. Yeah. You know, because you do have to have some kind of, uh, you're driving the ship Mm -hmm. when you're on the the, the host side. Right. And when you do that, you kind of have a different dynamic, yeah. Mm. It's not the same as when you're the guest. When you're the guest, you're kind of going off and being as fun as you can. And when you're the host, you kind of have to keep it going until you get to commercials. Right. And what I was doing... Or early, in podcasts where there are no commercials. Yeah, and I'm always envious of the radio people, although it's really stripped down now. Now you go in to do promotions, it's just one person in a booth. Because that's all that's left at the station. They can't afford anything. Everybody else is gone. Art is the... You're the sales department, you're the... Yeah. <laughs> you're the news, the sports. And that's how I started in radio. I started at a tiny little station... Uh, I went to Western Michigan University. And, You're a Detroit guy. Yeah, I am. And and uh, West and, and Western's in uh, Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. It turns out to be a, a wild town, believe it or not. Tim Allen was in a bunch of my classes. We were at the same time there. Wow. And I got a job on a little station, and you had to do everything. You had to turn on the station. You had to do sports. You had to do news. You, and you had to pull it off of an AP wire back then. And was this a paid position? Yeah. Yeah. And you had to edit your, I'm like, you know, I'm 17 or, or whatever. And and you're editing all the news and the sports and your record's ending and you got to jump in and do sports. Then you got to sweep up the station afterwards right. and turn off the dials and do all the stuff. You learn everything that way, though. Right. And now it's gone back full cycle to where that's where stations can't afford a full staff anymore, a lot of them, the smaller ones anyway. Yeah. So it's back to that one-person deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a one-person deal. Like you were making fun of or sort of you were – I said – I go, Frasch, how can I have – you and I have been friends now since I've been in L.A. for 20 years. And there are all these cameras. And I said, Frasch, how can I have somebody in here while it takes like a minute for me to set this up? And you said – People are very tolerant. I think they are nowadays because everybody's doing a podcast and everybody has the same situation with the tech. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's new to a lot of people. We're not really tech right. people. So we have to tweak everything. And I think people are used to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just it, sort it of... threw me off a little bit. I mean, I was pretty ready to leave. I got to yeah, tell I mean, you. Look, at I got, I got remotes. I can, I can. I was almost ready to leave. Like you have better lighting than me, but I can fix that. Well, now, wait a minute. I can fix that. I want the good lighting. Come no, on. you're, you're well lit. I, I look dark and ominous. And Well, that's how you're supposed to look. You're Orny Adams. So quickly, quickly. What's wrong with Orny Adams? <laughs> His lighting. His lighting has been bad for years. What you came out here. So you did that small job. And you didn't want to quit radio at that point? Where they- I did want to quit. Don't get me wrong. No, I uh, uh, I did that for a while in the Detroit area. I had a couple of jobs in that area. And then I had Cheech and Chong were uh, on tour, and they came on my show as guests. And uh, 
we had a great time and they said uh, hey you're a pretty funny guy you ought to go out to hollywood Oh, so God. one day I was bored. That's the worst thing. Yeah. You, you oh, hear, right? God. There goes your life. Right? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So I packed all my stuff up in my car and drove out. And um, I got a job pretty quickly on K-Rock. K-Rock was kind of the um, the farthest end of the dial was K-Rock. Right. And it was kind of that kind of station, too. They were actually in a hotel. Huh. Yeah. They were in the Pasadena uh, Hilton Hotel huh. in a suite and you go in, and there's room service trays piled up, and there's this old radio equipment. It looked like something out of Flash Gordon. Sounds like, like the FBI pot. surveillance. It's all set up. I thought and... I was in a Mexican movie. Yeah. I didn't know what was yeah. going on, man. But it was, uh, and all the DJs were like uh, car dealers, drug dealers, you know, just it, just an eclectic group of DJ knuckleheads, right. and uh, which was great because it allowed me to just go off. Right. I just went off. I just was a young, crazy kid. And, so you uh, were in on the ground floor because they became a huge, one of the biggest stations in the yeah, country. Yeah, they got real big. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I got really big fast because nobody was doing what I was doing. I was just being a nut and uh, playing. At that time, you know, uh, punk rock and, and new wave music were coming in. And, you know, the standardized old rock was kind of uh, fading a little bit at that time. It didn't go completely away, but... Um, this new music kind of got all the eyeballs or, or ears to K-Rock. Everybody was checking out who K-Rock. Are you, who, first of all, who are you playing? And more importantly, did you break anybody, any bands? I broke some big bands, yeah. Who? Uh, Van Halen. Really? Broke Van Halen, yeah. Nobody else saw that talent? Well, I don't know, but I um, I was the first to play them. Who was your competition, like WBCN in Boston? Well, they were uh, on, that, on the East Coast, yeah. Right. Yeah, here in town, it was KMET. Uh, KLOS, uh, and they had another station called K West. But didn't BCN? I grew up in Boston, so they had like a program director named Oedipus. Yeah, and they were uh, known for breaking bands. Yeah, well, uh, how this happened was uh, they moved out of the hotel mm -hmm. K Rock into this little uh, dre uh, dress shop that was across the street. Sounds it's, like it's getting worse. Well, it was. It was, and it was run by mobsters. These yeah. that ran the station, and they were just looking to sell. Right. So they were going to build some nice studios, but it, while they were building the studios, they had us in this little thing, you know, this little building, and it was only two stories. So David Lee Roth used to climb up the fire escape and climb in through the window when I was on the show on Friday night and kick in the door. Wow. And he'd go, dude, you got to play my test pressing. <laughs> I'm mean, like, get out of here! Isn't man. it like that? Didn't weren't you in a movie where was there a movie with Adam Sandler where they held a DJ hostage? Well, uh, yeah, was uh, it based on that? It, it, maybe, yeah. but I do know that movie. Yeah, uh, what was the name of that movie? Um, uh, Airwaves. Airwaves. I think. Anyway, uh, I think it was called Eight Track. It's so old. Well, probably. Yeah, this were was you... this was old too. But you know what was great about it was all the punk rock bands were uh, coming up and they were getting a buzz. And I remember my first night on the air in Los Angeles, I met uh, uh, Deborah Harry, a couple of the Sex Pistols, the Ramones, and uh, Tom Petty. Wow. And none of them had any product out, even Petty, not yet, you know. And I, and I got to play all those guys first. And the Van Halen thing, I played their test pressing, and the, the phones lit up. That's how you knew you had something viral back then. What's the a phones. test pressing? It was what you would play when you were trying to, uh, you, you'd record a, um, what your album was going to be and play it for the executives. Huh. You know? Yeah. And so are you... Try to land a deal. Do you keep in contact with any of these people? Uh, I see them occasionally. Not very often. Yeah. You know? Uh, once in a while, I'll see David somewhere. 
I find, and I like, like Petty, I love like all these guys. It's, you know, I'm pretty vocal about my love for Dylan and I just never want to meet these guys. You know, I met Dylan and uh, it was interesting. Al Cooper, who, uh, I don't know if you remember who Al Cooper was. He yeah. was, he was the, the organ player in Dylan's band. Hmm. And he also was in the, um, well, he discovered a lot of bands. He was a producer, discovered Leonard Skinnerd and, and a lot of big bands, Allman Brothers. Um, and uh, Cooper and I became friends. And he says to me, uh, hey, come out and see me in my band. My latest band's playing out in Malibu at this little bar called the Trancas Inn. And so, you know, we're playing at Trancas. Come on out on a Sunday night. So I went out to see Al, and I'm hanging at the bar, and I'm talking to this guy. And he's got a baseball hat, and it's pulled way down. And, and uh, we're just talking about just BSing, sports, whatever, you know. What year is this? This was probably... Oh, gosh, probably uh, late 80s, maybe early 90s. Yeah, so he was already well-established. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know. And we're talking, we're talking, and uh, having a good time, and, and uh, he knew who I was. He goes, oh, you're Fraser Smith. Yeah, yeah, man. So uh, we're, we're talking. So then Al walks by, mm -hmm. and he goes, oh, I see you met Bob. Yeah. And then it dawned on me. Wait a minute, that's Bob Dylan. <laughs> Wait a minute. So then I got real tongue-tied. You know? Yeah. I mean, we meet a lot of celebrities and stars out here, but Bob Dylan's something else. Bob you know? Dylan's on a whole yeah, other yeah, level. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. to quote Bob yeah. Dylan. He's, you know, yeah, that's yeah. a whole different deal. So all of a sudden, I'm just stuttering and stammering and blah blah blah. Hi, Bob. You know, yeah. before it was just an easy conversation. He's got uh, he's got that song, the, uh, the the Hattie Carroll, that something of the, the ballad of Hattie Carroll or something. I can't remember the song right now, but uh, they talk about how she was a cleaning woman and she emptied the ashtrays of this house on a whole nother level. And that was like, and it's always like those little words, fat, like he invents oh, he's a, words. The most amazing writer ever. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what to. I mean, I, well, you know what's funny? When I went to finally leave, I go, uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> keep in touch. <laughs> I said, keep up the good work. Keep I'm up like, the good. He looked yeah. at me like you're an yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah, minus planet waves uh, or whatever. He. Uh, but it was I, cool that he knew who I was. That but was he's just cool. sitting alone at a bar. At a bar by himself, all by himself, drinking a beer. I think I read like a few years ago, he was wandering around his hotel in New Jersey and they thought he was a homeless guy and the police stopped and they're like, do you have ID? And he's like, I don't have ID. You know, it's Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah. And he's older and they're like, who's this homeless guy? Uh, I read a, a story yesterday about Michael Douglas when he won his uh, Academy Award and uh, he was staying in the same hotel as George Harrison. And he saw him before he went out to get the award and he didn't really want to celebrate. He just came back to his hotel that night and he gets a call from uh harrison he goes hey me and my mate want to come up and and hang out yeah uh, so they came up and and it's dylan it's him and dylan wow. and, and so uh he didn't know what to do he ordered some caviar and uh he said dylan's dog <laughs> dylan had his dog with him uh -huh. and the dog ate all the caviar wow so uh michael That's... so yeah and then dylan had, had not said a word all night he finally goes far out man the dog loves caviar <laughs> That's all he ever said all night. <laughs> Somebody once, uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, who's in the business, offered to introduce me to Dylan privately. Right. To bring me over for a private. And I, I said, no, I just. No, oh, you should have done it. Come no, on, bro. No, no, no. I, I'm so arrogant. You know, I'm so dumb. I thought if Dylan wants to meet me, like I did a show with Steve Martin. I did a stand-up show uh, just for laughs in, in Montreal. And after the show, like, do you want to meet say hi to steve and take a picture and i thought did steve ask i've been on to me and he said they said no i said no it's okay you know like if dylan my fantasy is that these people want to meet me 
Well, uh, it's it's absurd. A, you know what? Well, you never know. No, I mean, you're a pretty popular comedian, and you're going to get more and more popular. So, yeah, someday, who knows? But uh, Dylan, a Dylan meeting would be, uh, you know, that's a, rare, I, a rarity. I, I, I'm putting it out here. I, I have wanted. You ought to do it. I want to interview Bob Dylan because I'm. Well, that's your, that's your thing. Have him on the podcast. Well, I, I'm. I have. I a bet he'd do it. Feeling. I don't know how I would get in contact, but I have a feeling. You know, Dane has been encouraging me to reach out to Dylan. Dane yeah, Cook, you should do it. He goes, this our is buddy, your, yeah. yeah, he goes, this is your guy. I, I, I think I understand. I could be wrong, but I feel like I understand Dylan enough that. I'm just glad we can hear the gardener. Oh yeah, that's the that's the uh, la- last week when Jamie Kennedy was here. They came right up to the trailer. They were like, See that? "That's added ambience." I yeah, love it. I no, love this it. is for real. This is well. Next time we're going to mic the guy. This is Big Yellow. This is the name of the studio. Oh, is it? Oh, I like that. And do you know? Okay. And you're wearing yellow, which I appreciate. Well, I, I wanted to co- co- coordinate with the uh, trailer. Do you know why it's called Big Yellow? Because uh, it's, it's yellow. No. Why? What was? Where did the uh, band? Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. Life in Big Pink. Big Pink. Yeah. So I go. This is Big Yellow. Oh, so, you are a Dylan guy. Oh, I'm a Dylan guy. So, uh, I was thinking when you were telling the Cheech and Chong story. Yeah. It reminded me of, and uh, you're touching your stomach. I'm, are you going to throw up? No. Did I no, make no, you no, sick? No. I thought, it reminded me of, remember Mortsall? Oh, of course. So I, I knew Mortsall. Yeah. So, and what do you, do you want to tell that story first? Or do you no, want, no, mine's no, pretty no. remarkable. Oh, yeah, I want to hear yours. Mine's pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty boring. <clears throat> I was, I was um, hanging out with him at Starbucks, that's all. Yeah. I, I, uh, my parents said, you should, uh, when I was in Boston, I think I'd come home from college for the summer. They knew I was interested in comedy and they said, you know, Mort Saul's playing this theater and you should, uh, go see him since you love Woody Allen so much. Now I have to put a big asterisk with Woody Allen because now he's been me too. So what heroes are we allowed to discuss anymore? Uh, I don't very know. Very few. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, uh, okay. So it was, I think it was a hasty Pudding, maybe it was Harvard, it was somewhere. But I, I, I called them up, and in the, those days, you could volunteer to usher and see the show for free. Oh, okay. So that's what I did. I, I, I called the theater. I said I'd like to usher, and of course, I've been doing. You know, I was one of these idiots. I've been doing comedy probably a year, and I told everybody there that I was a comedian. Oh, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of course, and uh, I'm here to see Mort, and they told Mort. And Mort said, bring him backstage. Oh, my gosh. So I said to Mort, he goes, who do you... Because uh, I, I, I knew the history of Mort with the hungry eye in San Francisco yeah, yeah. and that whole scene. And I knew that uh, he had influenced Woody Allen. Yeah. My, my dad told me, if you if you like somebody like a Woody Allen, then read everything that Woody Allen read. Do what he did. So I read, you know, Benchley and Perlman and all these authors right. and started to listen to people like Mort Saul. And so I, he said, I said, uh, Woody Allen. And he said, I got, I got a story for you. And I said, okay. He said, uh, I was, you know, performing at the Hungry Eye in San Francisco. And for the people that don't know Mort Saul, he was a political comic who would go up there with a the newspaper. With a newspaper, yeah. yeah. And he would just go over the day's events, which is... Well, he was multitasking. He was getting his newspaper <laughs> reading in and doing a show. Yeah. And, and he was always had a red sweater with a white shirt coming out of it. That yeah. was That was his look. And so he said, I'll tell you a story about Woody. He said, I was at the Hungry Eye, and this is like the 60s, and I finished my show, and this young guy uh, came up to me. Now I'm thinking, this is like me going up to him. You know, he's got the glasses, and it's, you know, it's, and he's very nevish. Very didactic. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and he said, uh, Woody said, now that I've seen you and what you do, 
you've, you've changed my life. And he sort of like, you know, dismissed it. And then he says, several years later, there is the guy. He's now the biggest director out there and comedian. And he's huge. And cut to a few years later, he said, I'm in New York City. I'm in the uh, Russian Tea Room, which is now closed. Oh, and, is it really? Yeah, not because oh. of the invasion. Oh. Not because of the, <laughs> the Ukrainian war. It's, yeah. it's, it's now closed. Uh, yeah. And this used to be, did you ever go to the Russian Tea Room? I never have, but I always wanted to. Yeah, I, I went there. It's like It was like an institution. What was it like? I don't know. It was like, like to me, it was like Disneyland. It was all yeah. decorated like the Kremlin. They invaded Tavern on the Green. They, <laughs> did you know that? Phrase <laughs> <laughs> is back. Come on, man. So, uh, so anyway, um, he said uh, Woody Allen was sitting in, the, in a back room all by himself. And he said he was eating, eating uh, borscht. He said, uh, you know, which is... Uh, like Jewish beet soup or Russian Jewish. And he says, sitting there. And, and he said, I tried to approach him and the staff stopped me. And uh, he said, okay, fine. He goes, but could you tell Mr. Allen that the man that changed his life says hello? And Mort says he finished his meal and he's walking down the pavement and he can hear somebody running up to him, which I don't know how you hear in New York, but he heard somebody running up to him, tapped him on the shoulder, turns around, it's Woody. Woody gives him a big hug. And he says, thanks, Mort. Can you change me back? Wow. <laughs> wow. Right. Meaning like Mort ruined his life. Yeah, and that's what right. I thought of when you told the Cheech and Chong story. You go, why did they tell you? You should have stayed in Detroit. Yeah, you should have stayed. Probably. Yeah. Even though it is Detroit. Yeah. yeah. And this is this is what, when I when I looked at your bio, I go, this guy's done uh, K-Rock, K-L-R-S, K-T, K-Bob, K-Sim. You've done every, I go, I never... I go, he's done every K-Station. I never heard of a K-Station growing up because it was WBCN, WZLX, WAAF. And that's when I... And Boston had the best radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, uh, I looked, I I Googled. I'm like, what do the call letters mean? And sure enough, the Mississippi divides. Everything uh, west of the Mississippi is a K. And everything east is... Yeah, you didn't know that? What do you mean I did? Of course I didn't know that. Come on, Arnie. I'm new at this. Do your homework. I'm I'm new at this. Uh, so anyway, I... you don't know who this. You don't know who this is. You don't know who. It's a shadow. This is Sergeant Preston. Preston. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's one of the swiftest and strongest. Yeah. Listen to the theme song for a second. In the wild days of the Yukon. See, that signifies Back to the days, days of the gold rush as Sergeant Preston with his wonder dog, Yukon King. Yukon King. It was a dog. The they used, people used to sit around and listen to this. Song. Oh, yeah. This was great. This is the Yukon, the territory <laughs> patrolled by Sergeant Preston. Theater of the mind. Yeah, this is, this is what happened. So what happened was, I was home in Boston the last week for my dad's birthday. The Great Bend Trading Post, and the lonely depot 100 Mendelsohn miles south came of Dawson. On. You know Mendelssohn. Yeah. The, uh, the conductor. Yeah. And uh, a supply center for prospectors and miners. You better bring Sergeant Prep. Yeah. So I, 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 where's the Wikipedia on this whole thing? Um, Because it's pretty, it's pretty wild. So I was home. I'm sitting there with my dad. We're having a a, a great time. He always has classical music on. They're very, you know, very sophisticated like that. Where's page two? Oh, here we go. Um, And Felix Mendelssohn Symphony Number Four and A Major. OP.90 Italian, I. Allegro Vivace. Uh, why don't they settle? Hey, settle down on naming these. That's a long uh, playlist. That's the name yeah. of the, the. Look at that. By the time you did that, you have to go to commercial. That's one song. 
Felix Mendel, did you need your glass? It's Symphony Number no. Four in A Major. Okay, that's enough, right? Op. That's all you need. Italian in parentheses. Then there's a dash. There's an I dot Allegro Bevace. By the time you announce the band, your show's over. Th- that's not even the band. That's the song. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the song. So that came on the radio, and I said, "This always reminds me of my comedy special because that's the the intro music." I use in my set. My oh, dad, is it really? Yeah, yeah, here, here it is, and I can play this. I own this. So when I put this up on YouTube, don't take this down for a strike. I own the, the copyright for this music. I'm not playing the music. I'm playing a clip from my right. special. Okay. okay, this song. See, and there the people are clapping. They're for clapping. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you very much for waiting. We made them wait. Yeah, there you go. And right there sounds a little bit like the Yukon Jack theme. A little bit. It's, and you know, you came out in that uh, red plaid shirt. And no, the, no, <laughs> yeah, with my dog. And the dog uh, and the what? crazy hat. You were, uh, you were the Yukon King. So here's where this all ties in. It used to be called The Challenge of the Yukon. is an American radio adventure series that began on Detroit's WXYZ. Well, that's a famous old station in Detroit. And it's an example of a northern genre story. The series was first heard January 3rd, 1939. The title changed from Challenge of the Yukon to Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. So Sergeant Preston must have nailed this. Well, no, what he did was that was in his new contract. Yeah. I want my name in the title. In September 1950. So So this song, which reminded me of something near and dear and special to me, reminded my father of, uh, of, of this this. Enough with the leaf blow. How I, many I leaves? I like this guy. I, he's, he's my favorite part of the podcast so far. <laughs> the program was an adventure series about Sergeant Frank Preston. He's got an album, too. He wants to come on and promote. This This reminds me of yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole uh, uh, symphony done in leaf blowers. He he led a sled dog, Yukon King, as they fought evildoers in the northern wilderness during the gold rush of the 1890s. The series began on the radio in 1938, continued through 1947, then it changed its name, became a TV show. Anyway, you learn the weirdest things about your dad. Well, and now we know where George Bush got evildoers. He's, uh, yeah. Well, they were fighting these people. He stole it from uh, Sergeant Preston. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I'm going to hold up By the way, speaking of Boston Radio, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Boston Radio. Well, I did a show, I did a week-long show at KISS Boston. Are Mm -hmm. you familiar with that station? KISS Boston. Of course, I remember. KISS played more dance, And who was their, who was their morning guy? I don't even listen to him. Uh, oh gosh! I, I remember Charles Lockwood era WBCN. Yeah, yeah. And the this, big mattress. This was uh, I can't think of Sandy in the morning. I don't know. Anyway, um, he was a famous guy in Boston, and every week or every year he would take a week vacation, and they'd bring in some big celebrity. They bring in like Jay Leno or mm-hmm. somebody like that to come at Chevy Chase to do the fill-in for the yeah. week, uh, and they'd pay you a bunch of money. And so they brought me in one time. So I flew out there with Jamie. From the Laugh Factory, Jamie Masada oh was my sidekick. Wow! And the people of Boston wanted to kill him. Why? They no, so now two going, cities, buddy, 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 buddy. <laughs> two cities want to kill him. Oh my God! He, he was insane. You know he's insane. Yeah. And it was. I always laughed. I couldn't stop laughing when he was on the mic. He, he? was just so crazy. He's the owner of the Laugh yes. Factory, folks, and he's a really uh, cool guy. He's our friend. Yeah. And he's but he's he has this. Uh, uh, accent, and I'm not even sure what the accent he is. He claims he's Iranian. He's yeah. it's a Persian accent. He's but, Sephardic. Yeah, but it's not. It's not none of this has been confirmed. Nobody can confirm it, and no one can figure out exactly what he's saying. But he, uh, <laughs> but he, Body. he gets on the radio and he just Body. starts going crazy. Yeah, and uh, the 
the people of Boston just totally were enamored with it. Yeah. Yeah. We, but not all, in a good way. No, we did a lot of crazy stuff on there. And, and then we went to the, uh, Beanpot hockey tournament uh-huh. one night and everyone recognized Jamie and they were like, there he is, that guy from the radio. <laughs> buddy, buddy, buddy. It's <laughs> a wild. This Jamie Masada uh, owns the Laugh Factory. Uh, that's a club that I'll be at this weekend. Yeah. You play there all the time, yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, he's just, I, I don't know what to make of him. I mean, he's a, he's a friend. During COVID, Jamie started calling me like every night and would have these hour long discussions. And if you asked me what we talked about, I couldn't. No, you can never. I can never figure it out. I don't know. But he was really mesmerizing to the people of Boston. He's a fascinating, he's charismatic. He puts on um, holiday services for the high holidays for the Jews every year in Los Angeles. He gives away turkeys at Thanksgiving. Oh, he's a very generous person and magnanimous guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish he paid the comedians. Well, he's not so magnanimous (laughs) with us, but uh, yeah. For the people watching and fresh. You got to pay for it. You got to go to Patreon if you want to see this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, but I have to pay to see my own interview. No, you can wait about six months and it will be on. Oh, YouTube. you know what a cheap yeah. guy I am. Of yeah. course, I'll wait. But um, I'm holding up here. This is, look at this phrase. This uh, is, wow. It's a sketch of you and you're doing your first show? That ever? is, no. This, I was in Sarasota, Florida last weekend, or maybe it was two weekends now. No, maybe it was last weekend. Frage, I've, I, I, I had one of these weekends where I was playing Sarasota. I was playing the McCurdy's comedy club, which I love. Yeah. And then I played a theater for old people and that went great. They even, you know, is that the name of the place? Theater, theater for, for old, old people. people. Yeah. 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 I go, I go, I go, I thought the people in Sarasota were old, yeah. you know, <laughs> these people. Wow. But in Sarasota, I, Dead look, people. Yeah. I look over and to the right, I'll just, uh, yeah, you can take a look at it. Go uh-huh. ahead to the right. Cause I have not really examined it. It, it appears to me there's a woman at the table and she's on her phone. And I just want to scream because the show's going so well. But she's sort of like, like her hand is going like, like sort of like under the table. And after the show, she came up to me and handed me this. Well, that's and, very nicely done. Yes. Uh, you know, they don't allow, allow photography. So now it's, I, it's like I'm on trial and I've got like the yeah. court sketch artist. Well, they, I noticed they blurred out your face too, or I don't know if that's on, on purpose, but. I don't think she got a chance to finish it. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but. They, well, you're safe from the cops anyway. I said to the club, I go, what's the deal with that? And they said, oh, she's here every week. I go, well, why not give me a, a heads up that there's going to be someone sketching me? Well, and by the way, you've got a phone, take a photo. Right. Instead of a sketch, which takes forever to do. But maybe this is But it's worth, nicely done. I like it. Maybe this is worth something. I don't know. Well, we'll see. When you blow up to a big star, it, which I, could be any day now. It looks like her name is Marlena. Maybe that's a You've date. got an original Marlena. It says Orny on the screens. Right, my face is... Looks like there's a drum set behind me and another microphone. Looks I don't like, know where she came up with that. Looks but like a Ringo's going to come up. Maybe and she start. started another uh, drawing with a band and then... But, like, I felt really special. I go, look at this. I have moved somebody to come in with their crayons and sketch me. And then it turns out they do this every week. I'm just another, you know. Well, I think you were her favorite, though. Let's be honest. No, Frasch. I don't want to. Come on. I don't want to hear it anymore. Come on, I really buddy. don't. I'm so, I'm so tired of it. Listen to this. I went to the gym. I go to the gym. Yeah. You work out, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I go to the gym. I can't get the app. To, every time I... When you do you uh, go to like coffee places? I don't want to name. Well, occasionally, yeah. and you have an app. Yeah. You yeah. open the app, and you know they go, "Oh, you owe so and so." You go, "Oh, let me open my app." It takes five seconds. The gym 
it's taken about three minutes to load this app, and uh, and then it and then for the membership card to come up, and the whole time I'm questioning whether I even paid. So as I'm waiting for it to come up, I just start casual conversation with the guy at the front desk saying, oh, you know, I'm really trying to figure out if anybody else has had this problem with the app. Right. And this is actual live audio. I'm bringing, not live. This, this is the guy? From th- no, the- I, I didn't record him because I'm just waiting for the app to come up. But this is my reaction. You'll hear the background of the gym. I'm bringing you, me, out in the streets. This is real. This is deep. Man, deep you shit. are in the streets. This is real. I love it. to the gym. The app for the gym, which has my membership card on it, is so slow. Like, you've... You open it, but it just, it takes forever to open. And so I was just like sort of like complaining generally to the guy in the front as I was waiting for it to come up and then hit my membership card, which takes even longer to come up. And so here's what, here's what he said. So this is what you want to do. You want to open the app before you come in. (laughs) I thought it was going to say, you need to reboot your phone. You need to uninstall. You need to reinstall. That's the old version. His solution was don't waste my time. Uh, do it at home, and then when you're here, just be prepared and ready to go. Well, that is good advice. I, I guess so, but yeah. I mean, like, that's isn't that what my comedy is based on? Just idiots. Idiots like that? Yeah. Well, idiots do give you a lot of your material. You got to admit. But does this guy not... Thank God for idiots. Right, but does this guy not think that I couldn't come up with that on my own? Like, is that the, is that the general disclaimer they're giving everybody that comes into probably. the gym? Probably, yeah, probably. This is, he uh, doesn't want anybody wasting his time. Yeah. Because he's an important guy. I guess so. You know, I got stuff going on up there at the front desk. But he looked at me like, I go, he goes, well, what you want to do? And I go, oh, here it is. Good. I'm not something, something, this is important technical information. It used to be clear the cookies. Yeah. It used to be something. This is. Do it at home. Do it at home. Before you get here. Before you get here. Have it, uh, have it on solid your... advice. Yeah, right. solid. We have. Uh, are, you, are you finding that you're getting uh, encountering dumber and dumber people? And is it the world changing, or are we just getting older? Uh, probably both. You know, everybody when they gets older gets cranky, don't yeah. you think? And I, I think I find myself doing that. And but I think there are uh, there do seem to be more knuckleheads out there than than before. Right. And do you think that's? It, it's getting worse. It, I, I, yeah. This like guy's this, still blowing. Guy, yeah. He's number one in my uh, chart. This uh, leaf blower dude. <laughs> I kind of like the guy, though. Well, what I love about this is, okay, so like when I set this up, the the camera lighting was perfect, but somehow there's been a shift in the lighting. So Do I have look, to stop? I and look fix darker. It? No, you look great. You're well lit. Well, look, that's because I did my own lighting. Yeah. You yeah. look good. Thanks, but, buddy. I, uh, I, I think I'll I do all my own tech. Post, I'll be able to bump it up. You'll bump it up. Come on. I mean, who who really gives a nobody shit? Cares. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares. People don't care these days. They about don't the quality care. of uh, I, uh, video or audio or anything. I could have the biggest. Uh, you know what? I'd have Bob Dylan on here, and I'd say, "All right, here we go." And then nobody would listen to it. Like, well, you know, I told you the story about uh, I did a shot a pilot, a Zoom pilot during COVID. We were doing Zoom pilots. Yeah, and I did one, and Alice Cooper was uh, my guest, and they sent him the wrong link. And so he's here's Cooper waiting like I mean he's a very gracious the wrong guy. Zoom link yeah and who screwed that up the, Jamie at the Laugh Factory no, the place we were shooting this but and I was so mad and and uh, so he's like this but he's really a gracious guy mm-hmm. he didn't get weird or anything yeah. but I just felt weird yeah. I was like oh man hurry up you idiots come and on. how what how was he on the pilot he was fantastic fantastic what part did he play 
He just was, uh, it was just an interview. It was an interview. I had him and Dane Cook were hmm. my guests, and they were both great. And uh, I thought- You didn't uh, think uh, to ask me, maybe? To... Well, it was, it was only room for two people in this particular uh, podcast hmm. uh, thing. But hmm. next time I do a, a pilot, you will be- <laughs> <laughs> What I've noticed now- now I'll call you and Mort Saul. <laughs> There's so many people doing- Mort's dead, oh. and uh, well, then rest in peace. It. Yeah, I loved him. Uh, probably buried in his red, you know, probably cardigan. In sweater, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I saw him the next day walking around Harvard Square, and he was still wearing that red sweater. Isn't that he weird? Never, when never he, came yeah. out of character. Well, buying some, his newspapers. Some people don't. Yeah, I used to think Rodney had a cool. He had like the red tie and the blue. Yeah, suit. there were a lot of these guys were doing it's like red. a uniform. Yeah, you know Harvard Square had a place that's now out of business called Out of Town News. It's right. such a bummer. They had every newspaper in the world. And like how they got like the West Coast papers and the overseas papers in the morning. Yeah, how do they do that? I never figured it out. But I used to, as a young comedy writer, this is how dedicated I was to the craft. I used to go in to Harvard Square and buy all the newspapers at that place and then go back and start writing. And I used to submit to The Tonight Show. And Did you? Yeah. Yeah. The first joke. Did you ever get one on the air? The first joke I got on the air. What? Got booed. Got oh, booed. No, really. <laughs> All right, Ornie. I should have gotten out of the oh, business then. No. That was a good sign. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, since then, I, I did The Tonight Show several times. I even did it one time with uh, Barack Obama. And How about that? Jay Leno has become somebody that... And I heard Barack was like, I hear Ornie's on tonight. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is a true story. Yeah. They had to vet me. They couldn't just, you know, let me into... Uh, the studio. They had to make sure that I wasn't a security risk. Yeah. And they... How'd you ever get in then? Yeah, no kidding. So I was backstage and all of a sudden he comes up and he's got all the uh, Secret Service with him and he looks at me and he goes, you're a funny guy. And I thought this guy... He guy's, did say that? Yeah, but I go, this guy's full of it. There's no way Obama thinks I'm a funny guy. He doesn't know who I am, right? I figured they just said, hey, and he goes, who's on the show? Well, they, you know, they also have a comedian on. So if you see some, so he's going up to everybody. He's going up to hair and makeup. You're, you're, you're a funny guy. And they're like, that's hair and makeup or the yeah. guy, you know, you're a funny. They're like, no, that's not the comedian. <laughs> I figured he's just saying it to everybody to yeah. be safe. And uh, sure enough, it turned out they had been watching my stand-up comedy on the plane see, over. they do that. Yeah. He did his homework. So, oh, you know, it's weird to me, like Obama knows me. Well, that's so, super cool. Yeah. So, and Jay has become somebody that I'm friends. You know, yeah, like that's he cool called too. me after my last special. And, and by the way, he Jay's didn't get, cool. Yeah, he called me several times because I'm not the easiest guy to get in touch with. Well, no one can reach you because you're always in this trailer. I saw Leno hiding from the uh... straight to voicemail. <laughs> Do you have any contact with Tim Allen anymore? Uh, I open for him once in a while. Yeah, yeah, I still see him. So. He has a very interesting past, right? Before, yeah, he didn't go to jail. Yep, he uh, uh, was actually caught in Kalamazoo at the airport with uh, some of his buddies smuggling coke. How much coke? When does it become officially smuggling versus? Well, I don't you know, know personal I, use. I don't know, but it was a pretty big quantity, I think. In Kalamazoo uh, in Michigan. They yeah, they have a little airport there, right. and I don't know why he thought he could get through that airport, but. Uh, he oh. did go to jail for a couple years and got out and then almost immediately came out here and then almost immediately got uh, uh, the show on ABC. It's amazing. Yeah. And he had a great sort of, I hate to say hook, because it sounds, it sounds, you know, condescending or, you know, but he was a tool guy. Yeah. Well, you know, that was, that was his hook. Yeah. And I think that was his whole angle was, uh, 
making fun of the suburban dad who thinks he knows everything about, you know, handy work and everything. And most, you know, most people don't. But, okay, so when you knew him in Detroit, did you know that side of Tim? Was he? Well, I think he was always kind of like a car guy, you know, one of those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he likes tinkering with cars, and and uh, he's got a bunch of cars like Leonard. Was does. he your Coke dealer? That's what I'm trying. Well, to... he was. Yes, and uh, that's yeah. Okay, you. you... <laughs> that's all. I just want to know. I should have just said that. right Like off after the top. he got busted, yeah. who did you have to start buying from? Well, like, that uh... was a dilemma for me. I you know, to, one time I had to search the town to find a new dealer. One time I was auditioning for a TV show. And uh, another comic said, who's the showrunner? And the showrunner is the person that created the show. And I said the name of the person and they said, I don't want to name the celebrity. They go, that guy, that used to be so-and-so's Coke dealer. And what happens is these people- That's how it goes. Yes. That's how you bump up. No pun intended. Well, I I never, like, you know me. I don't, I'm not a hangout. You're not a drug guy either. I'm not a drug guy. uh, And I I don't hang out. I'm not, which- No, you don't. And I think that builds a certain air of mystery around you, if I may say that. I mean, you know, I think sometimes that's actually a good thing. I don't know. Because then people think, well, what's he all about? You know, they don't know everything about you. But nobody seems to care. Well, (laughs) but, you know, it still has, maybe less so these days, but I think back in the the day, a lot of people did that. It was a mysterious thing. You never saw these guys. Like, it was uh, interesting for me to see Wolfman Jack in uh, American Graffiti. Mm. Remember how they would all drive around that night yeah. and they're all thinking, what does he look like? You know, and because uh, you never saw that guy. Right. You never saw that DJ. Right. And so it was a mysterious guy. Yeah, I um, didn't do it to be mysterious. I didn't do it as a selling point. I did it because I just feel uncomfortable. I I, I know if I stick around long enough, Frage, I'm going to say something that's going to upset somebody. I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels that way. I, yeah. I, I feel that way too. I like, go to yeah. You go to a party yeah, yeah. and I come home and I just sit there ruminating, thinking about everything I said wrong. Everything. I know, because I usually say everything wrong too. Like the other day, I said something uh, to my hairdresser, got my hair cut on uh, Monday or Tuesday, and uh, I said something that like is fine. Like it's okay for me to, like if like if I say, well, I... I would never want to own a dog because they would like, but it was, I forgot that they're a dog person. It was, and, but yeah. it was something more personal. I'm like, so I had to call a friend. He goes, I don't have time to talk right now. I'm like, I got, I need help. I'm like, did I screw up? Did I? He goes, no, you didn't mean it. But like, that's what happens. I always do that too. So I've I stopped did going I to say the wrong thing. Did yes. I, yeah. Yeah. And you're so nice. You're so supportive. Every time I get off stage, you go, Orrin, great set. You well, to- usually in your case, it really is true. You I mean, you almost, you're very consistent your performance you're really really good and i mean nothing for me but well yeah, thank you you know i i know i'm surprised at that actually it must be camera three being out that's causing you <laughs> camera three is not even like i'd have to be seated here for camera yeah. three to what that's happened what it was, is. camera three wasn't on i unplugged if camera three it. was picking you up your career would be much higher up yeah uh you know you're gonna do great orny just keep rolling you, you know you're very i appreciate very that, consistent but... comedian and not everybody can do that week in week out you know, with every crowd. I don't know. I don't know. It's got to be a good feeling. And uh, at some point, the PR will take care of itself. I don't, at, what, at what point? How, how much longer do I have to suffer? Another 70 years, Orny. Suff- you should be there. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, it does seem like forever. And sometimes you can't tell why a band or a personality uh, makes it and other people don't make it. Um, not to knock anybody, just, you know... It's hard to tell. Sometimes the people that are great don't get that break. Yeah. And um, is there anybody 
anybody, um, I'll ask both ways. Anybody that broke through, you're not going to want to say that you were surprised. And and on the other side, was there, is there anybody, leave me out of this, that you just go, like, like a Richard Jenny, how did this guy not become? Well, Jenny was a, a good example of someone who should have been huge because he's one of the best performers ever in comedy, mm. you know? I and know. I opened for him for a bunch of years. I had a great time hanging out with Richie. He, uh, legendary comic. And, you know, Leno said it best at his memorial. He goes, you know, he would do uh, The Tonight Show and kill. And Jay would say, well, what are you going to do next? He goes, well, I'm going to go home and write in my new hour. Wow. And he goes, everyone says that, but like a week later, he had yeah. his new hour. That's how good he was, you know, outstanding. Yeah. And I don't know why guys like that didn't, you know, get bigger. He still got pretty darn big, but it just, you know, wasn't a huge uh, household name. Yeah. And you never know why that is. And you see it with bands and you see, as far as someone um, that you uh, didn't see it coming, um, you know, yeah, you don't want to really name any names, but I, I'll tell you one that was interesting was uh, George Lopez. George was a good friend of mine and uh, I knew he would make it. He was just a great stand-up stand What comic. was it about George Lopez? He was a tremendous uh, writer when it came to stand-up comedy. He could just write joke after joke, and he was great. And I also knew they needed kind of a new Hispanic star. You know, Paul Rodriguez had kind of, uh, you know, broken the mold for that. Uh, and and then George was kind of the next guy in line. And uh, But I did, but he would come to my house or call me every day for 10 years. Am I going to make it, man? Really? Am I going to make it? Yeah. How they, needy. I, well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're, you all, know, we're yeah. all like that. Yeah. Phrase, you plays, I mean. phrase plays therapist all the time yeah. for us. Like, for everybody. But you know, they're, uh, you know, everything's a cry for help, Orny. Yeah. But the, but he was, uh, I knew he was going to make it. And I kept telling him, yeah, yeah, you're going to make it, George. You're going to make it. Uh, finally, I got tired. Did of, you mean it or were you just no, like, I did. I, my phone? I, yeah. No, you know, some people you might do that too, but I knew he was going to make it. And I kept telling him, but we're all we're all very insecure, yes. you know, and comics particularly. Um, Why is that? And who's more insecure, comics or musicians? Well, I think probably comics. You know, musicians have at least their other buddies in the band. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, uh, rally around that. With us, it's just us, right. you know. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to discuss this kind of thing too deeply today, but, you know, the whole thing yeah, with Chris sure. Rock and, uh, and Will Smith, the one thing I noticed there, uh, without going into all the details of what went down, uh, is that the comics always seem to be kind of uh, treated secondhand a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, they, obviously, the other night, the Academy stuck up for the bigger star. We're low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And there's a bounty. The reason there's the reason there's a bounty on comedians is people think they can come at us. And you're, you're right. There's been some great writing about the Academy Awards. and uh, Well, I love they... what Eddie Murphy said a few years ago. Remember he won, uh, what did he win for? Trading Places? I can't remember. No, that would be, that'd be no. the 80s. No, it, well, it was, it was a, way, a ways back oh, when okay. he did this. And he went on, uh, when he, did it, when he uh, had his acceptance speech, right. and he said, hey, how come people don't, how come you guys don't treat comedy better? Right. Why isn't comedy treated better at the awards? We never get anything. Never. And, and, and what, people don't get is to craft a joke which now you can only tell for one special for a year or two yeah and then you gotta get rid of it the, the stones are still playing you know satisfaction yeah. 
that they wrote when they were 19. It's yeah, like, we can't do that. We, uh, yeah. we can't. And you're right. Comedy, I will be dead. And it's really, really one of the things that really gets to me because I truly, truly, truly love stand-up comedy. I have such respect for the art form. And I feel like when I read articles in the New Yorker on film or the New York Times, whatever it is, and I see the way they... they, they uh, the way that they they did this shot with the the trash blowing in the background and it was film noir and the and the director was telling us this and it's like holy shit do you understand that comedy is as complicated and as um uh well thought out as that in, in a lot of cases and i don't know why i'm gonna be dead and they're gonna go i can't believe we didn't we, we didn't give these people more respect all these years i know it's gonna happen it's not happening in my lifetime well wasn't it i think it might have been oscar wilde i don't know but I, I think he was he was dying and someone said uh how does it feel he goes oh dying's easy he goes comedy's hard yeah <laughs> you know what he Comedy also said they, they said he knew he was dying and uh and he looked at the curtains in the in the uh, in the room, and he said, "Well, one of us has to go." <laughs> <laughs> Wild Wild was a genius. Oh yeah, and you know, you ask a young comedy a writer, "What's your favorite Oscar Wilde line or whatever?" You, you know, like he had lines like a uh, 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 a woman's. I'm not going to quote it because I, yeah, I'll get, I'll get canceled. calling your friends. I'll be canceled. I'll be slapped. Say the wrong thing in my podcast. I'll be slapped. I just like how every comic, including myself, I did an an interview that uh, is in Forbes, Forbes magazine or Forbes.com about the slap. And they're like, are you sure you want to say this? Like I started out with a joke. Like this is for, I go, this is Forbes. I said, shouldn't we be talking about uh, how the market has rallied two days since the slap? Isn't this the slap rally? They, they go, you sure you want to joke about it? Like, and, and I realize that in print, a lot of things I say. Well, they do. Yeah. Print's different. Could be taken the wrong you way. You got to be careful there. Yeah. And I understand the complexities. I also don't, wasn't there. I don't know these people. Uh, I, I'm certainly staying out of it. Did you Did you tweet anything? Did you? No, I didn't say anything. I called you and gave you a joke. You did. Yeah, and don't I, repeat it. I don't want okay, any credit okay, for okay. it. Well, like a phrase, this joke is for you. But when I do the joke... Uh, no, don't mention it. Saturday night, I <laughs> tribute you. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, you know, but but I do think that, uh, you know, comedy, comics sort of always, you know, are, take that uh, back seat, you know, to maybe the bigger name stars. Well, uh-huh. I, you wonder if the Academy is backstage with a calculator figuring out who's made more money well, for yeah, them. You do wonder. And uh, and I think we saw what the kind of what, what happened. There. I find that there are iterations of this behavior throughout Hollywood. And it's why I never did red carpet. I never went to the parties. I never kissed the right ass. I just I, it's why I didn't stick around and have conversations with comics. I just don't fit. I thought I could sit there and 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 put stuff out and it would be accepted based on the merit of of what i put well that's out. how it should be you know uh i guess there is a certain element where you have to schmooze as they say to get things going you know it's who you know a lot of times and right. that is true i mean you must have been frustrated as a radio dj because you know a few really like you you know was there a time i heard that you and howard stern were neck and neck or is well, yeah, I was pretty big there for a while. Uh, and you do, you know, you go a few years later, you're you're like, all those guys are multimillionaires. And what happened to me? You know, um, a lot of it has to do with who's your boss, you know, who's going to back you, who's going to. And I mean, come on, Howard's a great talent. I mm-hmm. mean, let's be honest. He's the best at that. 
Uh, but you know, and and Rick Dees was my one of my competitors, and he's great talent as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking the guys at all, but if you run into a boss that will kind of you know uh, block for you, then you can go somewhere. So your boss I, didn't I had, do this. Yeah, I really had some guys that I had uh, butted heads with. And why is that? Well, I think because I was kind of an early uh, pioneer uh, of that kind of radio. You and know? what is that? Tell me what. Well, it, it's just it's. Uh, more like free association radio. You're not really so structured. You're just talking and interviewing people and, and getting wacky on the, on the mic. Yeah. And, uh, that kind of thing kind of rubs some people the wrong way, but it made for big ratings. Were you a morning guy? I was morning. Yeah. You were morning. That's yeah. like the big spot. Yeah. And I, I had uh LA basically on lockdown. I could go anywhere and, and, you know, I could go to the forum. That's when the Lakers were the, yeah. you know, they're doing the thing winning time now on HBO. And that's how it was a showtime Lakers. And I would go there and they'd bring me right to, Mr. Smith, right this way. Wow. You know, you'd be courtside. And were you uh, doing stand up in those days or I was just starting after? to do stand up. Uh, I, Jamie was my sidekick on my radio show, Jamie Massage. How did that happen? Well, this guy that was producing my show brought. He says, "You're. I got a sidekick for you," and I go, "Well, I, I'm really not looking for a sidekick. I was killing with the ratings." And mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, "No, no, believe me, you're gonna like this guy." So he brought Jamie by, and Jamie was just so annoying that day that I just thought, <laughs> I go, "I'd love to get a job for go, being annoying." I go, "I, I don't know." I go, I, "Really, this guy?" And he goes, "Trust me, put him on there." So I had him on there, and we called him Buddy Buddy because yeah. he kept. That was all he would say. He say, yeah. "Hello, Buddy." He called everybody Buddy. So uh, he gets on there, and he just said the wildest things. And I think everyone thought it was an actor putting on the voice, the accent. Yeah. And it just it really lit up. He he, he had merchandise. He had Buddy Buddy. Come on, really? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I didn't have any merchandise and he had all this stuff. Yeah. I just sounded like Chris Rock. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And so, you know, anyway, um, he had bought this little club and uh, it it was about a third of what it is now. It was really tiny. And it's what the old Greenblatt's was. Greenblatt's Mm. was a thin little, you know, deli back in the day. And uh, they, had moved next door. And so they were going to lease this out and, uh, Jamie didn't have any money, but he had run into this producer who had, you know, was a, a big movie producer right. and the guy liked Jamie. So he goes, all right, I'll give you some money to get the thing started. And that's how he started it. And so Jamie said to me, well, you have to come down and do stand up at my club. Yeah. And I go, ah, I've never done that. And he goes, so come on down there. Let me do the jokes. <laughs> you know? So I started going down there and yeah. it was all rookies like me. It was like, you couldn't. Who was, who was on the scene back then? Well, uh, Mark Price, Mike, Mark Skippy Price, wow, yeah. uh, Richie Chastler. Uh, you, I don't know that you'd know any of these guys. Um, a guy named Falstaff, uh, Daily Pike. We were was all like Jim just, Carrey on the scene at that point. Well, Jim Carrey was at Comedy Store. All those guys were at the store. Okay, and none of nobody from the store would be seen down at the. Because Jamie told me about the time he. Oh, really? Well, they later they all yeah. came down. You know, later yeah. they did. And who started it was Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney started wow. coming down to work on his material, so he would uh, eventually start bringing people. He brought Eddie Murphy there. Here's Eddie Murphy in this tiny little Wow, what room. was he like live? Uh, unbelievable, you know. Is there anybody more charismatic? Probably not. You know, probably not. What is it? Is that just God-given? I think it's God-given. I think, yeah. I mean, he's just got it. And uh, he, he has that confidence, you know, which is really what a I mean, lot of it is. You watch Eddie Murphy Raw, which, you know, is a thousand percent cancelable at this point. At this point, yeah. What he says. Yeah. Uh, but 
I mean, I watch as you know. That's really he's got all the confidence in the world, and he always has. You but know, it isn't just there's we see confidence every night, and it doesn't move the audience. He moves it. He's just likeable. well, he's charming and likable. You know, he's I got that all going on. Three percent of that. Four <laughs> percent, Frage. Yeah. I just, you know, we can like, work on that. No, only. we can't, Frage. Nobody. I like. I'm the most uncharismatic, unlikable. <laughs> like nobody goes to lunch with Orny Adams and comes out going, "Wow, I feel better about myself." You know. Well, it's, you it's, know, it's, a lot of the people that have the char- charismatic thing don't have it off stage too. You but know? like yeah. Jamie has that. Jamie Masada, he does have. Why it. are we talking so much about a club owner? Well, the, you <laughs> you <laughs> asked me how I got my my stand up start. Yeah. And that was how I did it. Yeah. You know, he uh, he said, well, you got to come down here. So uh, I started doing stand-up down there. And uh, eventually, the, all the big guys started coming around. That's when Jim Carrey came down. And, and uh, what was he Dice. like live? Uh, fantastic. But what Jim was great at was impressions. Hmm. And he was like, uh, and I give him a lot of credit. He was a genius impressionist. And it would crowds would go insane yeah. for him. But he realized, I think Rodney Dangerfield was, he, they were buddies. And I think Rodney told him, you can only go so far with that kid. And wow. uh, so I think he started to realize, okay, I got to do something else. Yeah. So he was killing crowds. So he went into this kind of just free form, just him up there talking out of his butt and yeah. all that stuff that he later did. And I th- at first it just didn't work. Yeah. And, but he stuck with it and he would open for Rodney on the road and he would just bomb and no one would be laughing except Rodney. Yeah. Rodney's in the wings, just howling. Yeah. And you know, Rodney supported him and he finally got to where that style caught on. Yeah. And then he hit it big, you know, he's super talented, but he, um, I think had to make that shift. Hmm. Uh, and you know, and it wasn't an easy shift. Yeah. I think for a while there, he just wasn't getting good response. Hmm. He, he stuck it out. So I'll tell you where I was at this point in my life. I was uh, either in high school, I believe I was in high school, and I was working at a mental hospital uh, in the kitchen, the commissary, which would feed, we would feed the patients and the doctors. It's a very famous hospital. It's called McLean Hospital. In fact, like uh, a lot of musicians actually went there when they had their breakdowns. Uh And you weren't allowed to acknowledge if somebody was famous. In fact, the whole philosophy of the hospital was we don't distinguish between so when they came i would work the register sometimes and i'd have to say uh, patient or doctor and then patients were free doctors had to pay yeah. I, I just hit a button and uh i eventually worked security at this hospital oh yeah i have some stories there yeah, that's trouble they have the largest brain bank in the world and people were stealing brains no no but uh, oh. it's it's creepy when you see i would be all these brains so uh again very vocal about my intentions to do stand-up comedy. And one of the other workers gave me a cassette tape. And on the first side was Dice Clay. And on the second side, the B side, was Sam Kinison. Oh, okay. This is before shit went viral. Yeah, yeah. People passed around mixed tapes. And Kinison spoke to me in no other way. I mean... I met him early. You know. I met him early. Uh, it's a desert! Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, that's God. <laughs> yeah, he was amazing. Um, I met him just after he had left Houston mm-hmm. and come here. And he had been a preacher in Houston. And uh, there was a club uh, on Westwood Boulevard, the Westwood Comedy Store. Mm. And it was like a annex to the main comedy yeah. store. Yeah. So all the uh, up-and-comers would go there. That's where Mitzi had me go. And... Um, 
And then uh, the big stars would come down there to practice. You know, and Letterman would go down there. Robin Williams would go down there. They would all go down there to work Shandling. on their new stuff. Shandling. That's where I met Shandling. Uh, and the first night I was there, first night, nobody knew any of these guys. I met Dice, Kinnison, Shandling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jim Carrey was there, Robin Williams. What a lineup at this, you know, annex club. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm watching, and uh, I was with Jackson Purdue, and I don't know if you know Jackson. Jackson and I were sitting in the back, and he goes, check this guy out, and it was Dice. And he was the thin dice. Yeah. And he came out and it took him five minutes to light his cigarette. Ah. Didn't say anything, you know, and he and he looked like Fonzie and he had the black leather and he was phenomenal. Have you phenomenal. ever seen Gilbert Godfrey's impression? Oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah, that is hilarious. And, and when that so those are really big comics, and that's West Coast. Are are you aware of what's going on in the East Coast? Uh no, not really. I didn't know what was going on there. Um, but and I didn't really know these guys. I didn't. I wasn't really in the comedy world. I didn't know who these guys were. And um, then Kinnison was on that night. And Kinnison came on last, and we 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 would always put him on last to. Drive. It was how much of the audience was left? Had people filled? Well, it out? we would put him on to drive the remaining audience out. <laughs> Seriously, when we wanted to go home, oh, that's funny. You know, like yeah. I was hosting, and I'd be like, "Get Sam out there. Yeah, let's get, let's get out of here." Yeah, yeah. And he would walk the crowd. Honey, get your coat. This guy's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And he'd be just screaming like he did, you know. Yeah. And um, a great guy, <laughs> yeah. great guy, and super smart. I never met him. Uh, Another super, hero of mine. Yeah. A, a super yeah. cool dude, man, and very. Um, you know, he was he was very smart. You know, he would scream and act like a maniac. And then he would come back down. Hey, how you doing, Phrase? You know, just very uh, relatable guy. Hmm. You know, an amazing, amazing guy. Hmm. Yeah. Were there people, were there comics that, and don't name names, that you just couldn't get along with, couldn't handle? I mean, it was just such an... I pretty guy. much get along with everybody. It wasn't so much that as it was, you know how it is. Sometimes you just don't like a, someone's particular style of comedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would never say that to them because I know there are other people that do like that style. Well, but, I mean, you know, there's certain ones that just don't, you know. Was that the golden age of stand-up comedy? Uh, well, I think from our age group it was. You know, I think maybe uh, that era with, with Rickles and, and Rodney and uh, those guys. It's hard but to... Rickles was never in the club. How did these guys, I guess they were like Well, they had, or... you know, our Vegas. They yeah. do Vegas, kind of what we would call a residency today. Do you know, and I try and tell the story, I, I wish it was on video, but the Red Fox story in Vegas. Do you know this story about when he walked out? Yes, I do know okay, this story. Okay, you do. Yeah. You yeah. do know it. Yeah. Where did you hear this story? Oh, I don't know. I've heard it a million times. What is what? What is the story? Well, the story is basically that uh, it was a really small crowd in Vegas, and uh, and they they'd introduce him, and it was a big stage. And and the whole thing's playing, you know, the, the Sanford and Son theme, and he's kind of waddling out there, you know, he was at an age where he was kind of moving slow. Yeah. It took him a long time to get out to the mic. And then he realized there was like, you know, 10 people there. He goes, fuck this. And just turned around and walked back out. And the band just... So that story is true. Apparently. Yeah, I didn't know if I made it up in my head. No, no, I've heard it. I've heard it many times. I wish it was on video. And another old one was, of course, was the Rickle story about Sinatra. You make yourself at home? Well, no, where Punch he somebody he no he well he, no he was on a date. Rickles was on a date, and he goes up to uh, Frank. He goes, Frank, uh, I'm on this uh, 
hot date and could you walk by at some point and just make a little conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. so she knows that I know you, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, so Frank goes, oh, okay, Don, yeah. So uh, Don's uh, having dinner with uh, his date and, and Frank walks by. He goes, oh, hi, Don. And he goes, not now, Frank, I'm busy. <laughs> just blew him off. Uh, I mean, Rickles, another guy, got away with everything because he was so charismatic and likable that you just said, this guy's yeah. not, uh, you know. You, you got to give him credit on that. I mean, he had a lovable uh, personality, except for, you know, he would just rip people apart. Yeah. But he was so likable, he could he could get away with it. Do you think comedy is bigger than it's ever been? Well, no, I think during the 80s, uh, Orny, uh, you know, they always call that the uh, heyday. Uh, I called it the golden age. Go yeah. It was every night was sold out. Yeah. Everywhere. You well, could, you know. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point because when I start, I was playing to bigger crowds when I started because yeah. comedy sold comedy. You went to the, you went, yes. you yeah. go into Nick's, I'm going to the Comedy Connection, I'm going to, uh, and it was know, always packed. Stitches, packed, packed. Now I'm a full time promoter. This is all I do. Calls every day. Hey, uh, my agent, have you uh, have you posted about uh, your shows? I'm like, oh god, I just I'm so sick of making things. And it's and you just look at every comic. It's become like it feels desperate because nobody's seeing this shit. It just doesn't do. I post a funny clip. I post. It's like I don't know what it takes to get traction. Some people, some people just get traction. I guess. Well, you know, it, it, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's Sorry a, to turn this into therapy. No, but it's an open field. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I do a hockey podcast with uh, Joe Bartnick. Do you know Joe? No, I know nothing about hockey. Uh, well, neither do I, but I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But uh, I am kind of a fan. Joe is like a savant. He knows every player in the league. He's unbelievable. He's a comic. Right. Opens for Bill Burr. Very good comic. And uh, Andy Picaro, they're both comedians, and we do this podcast at Bill Burr's uh, studios, the uh, All yeah, Things yeah, Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's really big with a certain audience. Right. But um, it's mostly that hockey audience, which is good because, you know, there's 20,000 people in every major city that like hockey. Um, so yeah. we got a pretty big audience around around the world. And, and um, a bit Do you want to plug it? Is that what this is yeah, about? Well, Go no, ahead. No, what no, do you want to no, plug? What, what I was ahead. trying to say, though, is that yeah, that hockey audience hears that podcast. We've been doing it 10 years. No one outside of the hockey world Fresh, even I'm, knows it exists. I'm going to break some news to you. That's going to shock you. I'm huge in the rugby community. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I'm like, I you know, know yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I I'm thinking impressed. of turning this into a rugby. Uh, well, you've got sort of a rugby shirt on. Uh, why not? I would do that if I were you. People love that rugby thing you do. Well, you should plug yourself. I mean, what part? Well, this you is do... called Puck Off, and it's on uh, Stitchers, you know. Spotify, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also that. do one at the Laugh Factory, right? Laugh Factory podcast, too. I do that. It's How's that going? Life of the Party. Uh, good. Good. Oh, yeah. life of the party. Does that bump into it? Yeah. Well, I think uh, it was stolen yeah. by Jamie. <laughs> yeah. you, are, you are the life of the party. Uh, like, what? Do people listen to this? Do I have no idea. See, that was my point. That's what I was trying to get at is with the hockey thing, I've never had one person that wasn't a hockey fan mention it yeah. in 10 years. But that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's a long tail. We just, just want that. We, here and we little... want that audience. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, you do it for 10 years, you'd think someone might have heard it. No one. To, has come up to me and with the laugh factory thing same thing uh, but we've just started that but you know uh so far i haven't heard a lot of people mention it what's the most gratifying aspect of your career so far um well i just think it was being number one uh radio. You, you know when i was on uh, yeah. on radio uh 
when you're number one at anything, you feel pretty cool about that, mm -hmm. you know? And I was for a while. If you like snap your fingers and make your career exactly what it, whatever what would it be. What, what, yeah, uh, what would I'd it like be? a late night TV talk show. Yeah. That's what I've always wanted, you know? And go ahead, uh, ask me a question. Uh, Orny, uh, how'd you get started? Bum, 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 Well, uh, yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how it got started. I was uh, waiting tables in Boston and Cheech and Chong came in ah, and they said, course. you're funny. You should go to California and do comedy. Of course. Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't know. Laugh Factory was Laugh Factory. Must have been, yeah. I know it was around the time of Comedian, the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's and, every, uh, this just has to come up in every interview. I'm sorry. This is I my know. Blue Lagoon. This but is... you know, I think it actually worked for you. I don't know, did it? Yeah. People really? know you from that. People I'm in a know trailer you. in my backyard. <laughs> uh, well, but it's a nice backyard. Yeah. yeah, yeah what was, yeah. go ahead, tell me what your impressions of me when were I first when you saw, saw you? Comedian. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I thought Orny is... Wait, what is that? I know, it's my phone. Hold on a second. I go, Orny is... He's a good guy, you know. It kind of the movie kind of had. Don't you, put that because people can read. People it. sort of had you as like a uh, not a bad guy, but just a you know a, a, a guy in the in the movie that wasn't portrayed as as uh, one of the good guys. You were kind of like the 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 villain, the villain. That's what Sarah and Silverman says. Everybody like, needs a documentary. Everybody needs that. You need wow. that. And uh, but I thought, well, wait a minute. I like Orny. He's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, they just did that, you know, because they needed a villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I didn't think it was bad. I thought, you know what? People notice you. Really, it's it's about getting noticed in this town. You know, if, if people notice you, because uh, like you say, there's a lot of people who are really good who are kind of flying under the radar, and may never get. Uh, discovered is sad when you see that yeah you know and i i say this almost every podcast uh if i was just looking at my career and just looking at me i would be content i'd be content i don't need much more but when you sit around the front just to see who just got this and who's doing and you're like damn it yeah, i know i should be doing i know more. You, know, you know what the weird thing is too and i don't think uh well, sometimes there's people you don't, you know, but, but I think most of the time you're happy when you're friends and when people do well, you know, you're like, Oh man, I'm glad he got that. That's exciting. That's great. So many of my friends have made it big and, uh, when they weren't big and they are big yeah. and, you know, but I'm happy for all of them. Well, I'm happy, I'm happy for all of them. But, but what happens is you start thinking about yourself you're not really putting them down or saying that they shouldn't have that. But I'm more, you know what? I'm, I get like, I'm like, well, 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 how come I didn't get a break there? Yeah. You know? I, I, I'm I'm more happy when I feel like somebody really deserves it. So yeah, when yeah, I hear yeah. Earthquake just got a special on Netflix, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That guy's putting the time. He's awesome. That yeah. guy's funny. Yeah. He's I used awesome. to play his club in Atlanta. Did and you? I'd be the only white person there. Uh, and I would He's a cool dude, man. Oh man, Earthquake. I love I, him. I, I, love I him. hope this special does stuff for him because there's a guy that's put in his time. I like when people put in their time. And I like they, to see and the, then they get that reward. Yeah. 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 No, I'd I like do to, too. I'd like to see someone who's got a calloused career. But look, you know, that's what was the thing with Lopez. He called me every day for 10 years and he did make it big. Mm -hmm. And what God. has he done for you since? Uh <laughs> Well, is he still uh, calling you every day? No, but I I am his gardener. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'm over that, there. With, I've got a leaf blower too. Uh, Frage, where can people find you? 
Well, that's a good question. I'm not even sure. Um, like, no, are you? Do you have a, a website? You no, know? I have nothing. Um, I have. I'm on MySpace. I saw and, that coming. You know, yeah. Well, I basically am. I mean, that's about. You know, basically, uh, I used to, you know, Spotify. Uh, and What's on Spotify? Stitchers for the oh, hockey, yeah, for, for your, the hockey. Is there any stand-up comedy of you uh, on, on, the, on Sirius? Yeah, or? I think on YouTube. You can find some on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and uh, I find a lot of people find my comedy on Sirius Radio. Thank yeah. you, Sirius. Spotify. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping to be back on KLOS soon, too. Uh, 95.5 KLOS. You, you were on a couple of years ago, right? Doing, well, right. You were after, like, hey, come over. I want you to be a guest. You, you arrive at 3 a.m. I'm like, oh, no, thanks. No, I was on actually. Friday night. Yeah, it was uh, Sunday night. And uh, they kept moving me around. But I was on Sunday night. The show was doing great. Mm-hmm. Until COVID. Yeah. You know? And but why? We, but that should make it do even... Uh... Well, the thing is that our station, most stations now, Sirius and everybody, has uh, DJs doing a home setup like this, yeah. and they do it from their house. But my station doesn't do that. Right. So we, I didn't get that option. They just ran automated. Uh, the, the machines have taken yeah, over. They, take, they have. Come on, man. Machines are ruining our lives. They really are. If you don't know Frazier Smith, Frazier Smith is a stand-up comedian, and you have that likability. You say your jokes, you're doing like dad jokes up there that, that uh, you know. Most people would get killed for. Booed. Yeah. Slapped. Frazier should be slapped. I don't want to say because then you'll get slapped. But you get like the, the audience just loves you. It's really, uh, it's, it's magnificent re- to watch. Well, really thank is. you for saying that, buddy. And I've, you're getting away with, you're still doing OJ jokes from 25 years ago. I know. Ago. I mean, it's How about still- that? I did do an OJ joke recently. I know. You want to hear it? I know. Yes, of course. Okay, I go, uh, uh, you know, they just convicted Jesse Smollett. Uh, and I go, nobody really ever bought his story, did they? Even OJ's like, come on, bro. <laughs> bum, 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 <laughs> I want a theme song like you that. Frazier one. Smith. Uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Ernie. Wasn't that fun? I had a great time. Next time, let's get camera three working. Yeah. Some more more close-ups. This, uh, this is actually Harlan Williams singing. Harlan Williams, our, our buddy, the comedian? Yeah, yeah. And his cousin, Kevin, who's in the... From Bare Naked Ladies. There you go. All right. Harlan. How much fun did we have? Well, we had a lot of fun. And I'm going to talk to Dylan, and we'll try to get him to come by and do your show, and then he can maybe uh, redo this song. I would be your friend for a lot. I would not abandon you like George Lopez has. Wow. After you were his therapist for 10 years. Can you believe that? You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever met George, but I, I have such oh. respect for his work. Oh, so. he's a great. He's great. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank Ernesto Hurtado for mastering this audio. Then he gets it up on Spotify, gets it up on uh, Apple. He's iTunes. Awesome. He's he does amazing. it all, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want the uh, video immediately, you've got to go to patreon.com slash Orny. If you want to, I forgot, to, I have a, a letter. I'll read this on the next one. A yeah, fan email from, you're not going to believe this. People listen to this stuff. Uh, where is he? He's in Romania. What? Jamie Kennedy was on last week. He's now the biggest comedian in, in Romania? Romania. But oh, if you want to email me. I see me, a tour. Yeah, if you yeah. want to email me, uh, the email is. He'll be uh, opening for Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> the email is. Uh, what is it? Uh, the email is uh, what's wrong at orneyadams.com. What's go. wrong at orneyadams.com. You can go to what's wrong. Uh, teamwhatswrong.com for all the links and all that sort of stuff. You have a team? For, I have a team. No, you become part of oh, the team. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Fraze, what? Uh, why don't you just give out your telephone number? Well, why not? <laughs> no one's used it in years. Uh, <laughs> Dude, thank, thank you, you so, Marty. I, you're amazing. Time, you're amazing. You're yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Camera 3. Thank you. Appreciate for it. doing nothing for <laughs> me. <laughs> that was fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. That was really good. Was that okay? Oh, that was great. How about you? you good. It? I loved it. <laughs>